Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Um, I am so privileged to uh, be here today. I was out last week on vacation with my family. We had a, a great time. I was at the beach. I got tan. It's all peeled off since then, but it looked good for about a day. We, we just, we missed you. I got to tell you, I felt like a father in some ways being gone because when Jill and I first had kids, we would go out on a date night. We'd go out with another couple, leave the kids at home, and we'd end up talking about our kids. You, parents in the room, you ever, you ever do that? Like you spend all your date night talking about your kids? Well, I did that with you guys. Everywhere I went, everywhere I met, I talked about Four Corners. And my wife's like, you should just be back home at church. And I was like, yeah, this is, I really love being here. Uh, we're starting Summer at the Movies. You're going to love this series. And if you're our guest today, what we're going to do is introduce you to kind of the way we do church a little bit. See, what we do is we regularly take topics that come up in everyday life and we talk about them from God's perspective, from God's word, the Bible. And so we're going to do that with movies today. Uh, but first, I want to tell you a little bit about um, what I thought was so exciting as I made my call in on Sunday afternoon to hear how last Sunday went. They told me that around here in kids ministry, so while you're in this room, back in those other theaters, they had a great time. A guy by the name of Mr. Cowpie came. And I think I have a picture of, uh, of a couple kids and some of his animals that he brought. So here goes the first picture from, uh, from Mr. Cowpie up there. And uh, yeah, you see that? So he brought his animals into our kids ministry. And uh, here's, I think, a next picture of one of the animals coming up here. Look at that thing. Isn't that awesome? And then uh, here was a couple of the animals right there, two big animals that he brought in uh, with him from, uh, from Mr. Kappa. Now, that's Nate. He works with our students and our pastor Nate, he worked in our children's ministry. And man, your kids just had a great time. My kids were like, Dad, how come they had fun while we weren't there? Aren't you the pastor? You should make them wait a week. I was like, no, no, no. They're allowed to have fun when we're not, when we're not around. So uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but all around you, people are asking spiritual questions. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, Ben, I know you're a pastor of a church. How do you think the, the state of the world is these days? I mean, do you feel like the world's going to hell in a handbasket? I mean, you've seen so many changes. Uh, what do you think the world is like? And sometimes when we have a little time to talk, I'll unpack an idea with them. And it goes something like this. You know, whoever's talking to me, I'll say, you know, in the New Testament, here's the way the world was as it relates to morality and spirituality. Here it was. There was in the marketplace of ideas, varying philosophies and religions competing for people's allegiance. It was true. It was a very um, heterogeneous type of environment. Everybody wasn't the same. They didn't come from the same background. They didn't go to the same church. In the New Testament world, you had Greek philosophers. You had Roman Stoics. You had people who followed various gods and goddesses of the ancient world. You had a whole lot of competing ideas in the marketplace, and people had to think about what they believed regularly. Their ideas were regularly being challenged. Their ideas were regularly being, uh, you know, their assumptions were regularly being undermined. And they had to think and know what they believed in an arena of competing ideas. And I say sometimes in that conversation, you know, in 1950, in the United States, it really wasn't that way. Everybody kind of went to church. Everybody kind of believed the same thing. Everybody watched the same three basic television stations, listened to the same radio music. It was basically a homogenous culture in the 1950s. But man, what a different world we live in today. And they're like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's a different world. And everything's going around. And I, and I want to remind them, you know, the church and God flourished in an environment where there were competing ideologies. People grew in their relationship with God under fierce persecution. 
They grew in their relationship with God when they had to regularly know what they believe and hold on to it, not because everybody else believed it, not because it was the easy thing to do or the path of least resistance intellectually or religiously. They had to hold on to it in an arena of competing ideologies. So I think, for instance, that the world today is a whole lot like the New Testament world. And as a pastor, that makes me very excited. I'm, oh, listen, I know there are real challenges in our world today. And I know as a dad, for instance, fathers, raising a kid in our environment, in this world today, is tough. I, I don't know that it's necessarily any tougher than my dad had it, but I feel like it might be. Because I know my kids are exposed to ideas and to presuppositions and to ideologies that don't come from mom and I. They don't come from this church. And my kids have to sort through that stuff. And sometimes if I'm not careful, a little bit of fear will grip my heart and make me wonder, you know, maybe I need to protect them. Maybe I need to shelter them. And while that's always a wise thing for a parent to think through, another thing kicks in and keeps me balanced and grounded, I think. And it's a thing that becomes our springboard for everything we're going to do this summer. It's this idea that if God is God and if he's very committed to my kids, in fact, if God loves my kids more than I love my kids, then I can trust him. If I do the best I can, if I do the best I can in raising them, bringing them to church, exposing them to what mom and I believe, if I do the best I can with them, I can trust him to make himself known to them in a way that they can understand, in a way that grabs hold of their hearts, in a way that gets planted so deep in them, puts an anchor in their soul that is so grounded that no matter how far they go, no matter how many ideas they're exposed to, they can only go so far away because that anchor holds them tight. See, I think that if we're parents sometimes, as I watch that video, I, sometimes I feel like a mountain of responsibility or an I should or, man, I need to really step up my game. And that, again, that's a great thing for a parent to think through today, for a mom or for a dad. But the other hand, here's what I know. I know that there's a God who really does love our kids more than we do. There's a God who is actively at work in this world. And there's a God who's speaking all the time, all around you. And if you will open your eyes, open your heart, be receptive, you'll get to hear him. Let me tell you a little story. It's a story about a guy who doesn't come from this earth. He doesn't originate from this earth, but he makes his way to this earth. And he comes from royal lineage, but he's raised by ordinary parents. And when he starts his life mission, he goes off into the wilderness. And when he goes off into the wilderness, he confronts an evil one. He's tempted. But throughout all of his life, once his mission begins, he does these miracles, these things that are unexplainable. And everybody's just in awe of his great power and might. And he even raises someone from the dead. It's a powerful story. It's captivating. Now, if you grew up in church, you might be thinking that I'm talking about Jesus. And the words I use to describe his story are exactly right. But if you didn't grow up in church, you might be thinking I'm talking about Superman. Because that's exactly what happened to him. He comes from another world. He's royal lineage. He's raised by ordinary people. In fact, uh, his parents' earthly names are Martha and Joe. I mean, it's a whole lot like Mary and Joseph. And there's so many overlaps between Superman and Jesus. Now, I'm not here to tell you about Superman, but I am here to point out the fact that if God is speaking in his world today, if there's a story of his love at work in the world, we can expect To see that story cropping its head up, poking its head up all throughout our culture. And this doesn't happen anywhere more frequently than at the movies. When you go to movies, you will regularly be exposed to ideas, to biblical themes, to spiritual truths. I think more in my culture today than ever at any point in my life, people are asking spiritual questions. I mean, 
Oprah's big deal, right? I mean, I know she just went off the air, but her like big deal was getting people to think deeper and think spiritually about their lives. Now, I'll admit that it's not always like the biblical Christ-centered ideology that's floating out there. I mean, there's a whole lot of crazy stuff. It runs the gamut, doesn't it, at work in our culture today? But I think more than ever, people are asking spiritual questions. I bet some of you right now, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey in connection with Jesus, have asked deep spiritual questions at times. And I bet some of you in this room would agree that you've had experiences like I have where you've listened to a song and that song encapsulated your idea or your thought or it asked the question you were wrestling with in a way maybe better than you could at all. Or have you ever been watching a movie and when you turned it off, you thought, oh, that was cool and entertaining, but there was something deeper there as well? See, there's a great philosopher by the name of C.S. Lewis. He's my favorite author. He's no longer alive. He was a great theologian and philosopher. And he said this, that the story of God in this world is so strong, it's so powerful, it's so loud, that it finds its way into all the great stories of life. It finds its way. So you can be sitting, for instance, in a movie theater, not necessarily having a church service like we are. That's a little blatant, isn't it? But you could be sitting here maybe in a few hours watching a movie. And if your eyes and ears are open, you can see threads. You can see hints of spiritual messages being broadcast regularly. Well, Jesus walked this earth. He used story to communicate with people. One day he was walking with his disciples and they saw a man sowing seed in a field reaching into his pouch, casting seed out like this. And that was a normal, everyday visual that they would have seen. That would have been a normal occurrence. And Jesus used that image of a man sowing seed to share a powerful story about a sower and the seed and what happened to the seed. And that story grabbed the hearts of the people who heard him tell that and committed to them certain spiritual truths about the way God works in this world. And I'm telling you that story still works the same way today. And if you'll open your eyes and ears, it may not always be coming from a definitively Christian background, but you can see the thread of what God is doing in this world. Now, just so you know, Ben isn't making this idea up that the story of God crops its head up throughout our culture. The Apostle Paul, when he was rocking and riding ships around the Mediterranean Sea, he came across this same idea. He recognized that in his culture, everywhere he went, people were asking spiritual questions. People were on a spiritual quest. There was spirituality everywhere. Sometimes those people knew exactly what they were looking for. And Paul got into conversations with them and he was able to explain Jesus to them very simply and easily. Sometimes they began at a point so far away from Jesus that he had to engage them way over here and begin the conversation over here where it started long before he could ever move it to actually start talking about his main point, which was Jesus I want to take you to a place in your Bible at Acts chapter 17 and read for you a story. So if you have your Bible, please go there. Listen, if you don't have a Bible, give us just a few weeks. We'll make more available uh, so that you can read them. But we really value God's word around here. It's one of the best things you can do to grow spiritually is to regularly engage his word. So when you come to church, you'll see many of us will open up our Bibles and we'll have it there in front of us. I have mine printed here. Often I'll have it on my little electronic Kindle or whatever. But if you engage your Bible regularly, you'll begin to see more about God and you'll be able to see God more in the world. So what I want to do right now is show you where the Apostle Paul really wrestled with this idea of the spirituality that was at work in his culture. And trying to get people to go from that beginning point to understanding Jesus. So here's what it says at Acts chapter 17. Paul stood up. He was in Athens, by the way. 
And he stood up in the, in the place of the meeting, which was the city square, the Areopagus. How would you say this? How would you say this word? Yeah, Areopagus. Uh, yeah, that's it. Areopagus. That would be the correct way. And he stood up in the middle of the town square, literally Mars Hill. Mars Hill, that was where he was standing on, in Athens there. This was the place where the philosophers would come and they would share their ideas. They would discuss philosophies. And the Greeks were always interested to hear cool ideas. And people would expound on what they thought eternity was like or what maybe whether there was a life after death or if there were gods, how they interacted with humanity. And there's Paul standing at the place where spiritual discussions happened. And he said this, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Just two weeks ago, one of my neighbors said to me, I don't go to church. I'm very religious. I don't believe in organized religion. Now, I wasn't being a smart aleck, so I didn't say this, but here's what I thought on the inside. So you believe in disorganized religion then, I guess. I, I don't know. But it, it's very true that people are religious all the way around us, just like it was in the New Testament. Paul's standing here in the middle of the marketplace where ideas are being stared. And he says, I sense people of Athens that in every way you're very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. See, they had this idea they didn't want to leave anybody out. So they erected an altar to a God. They maybe don't even know his name. So they put unknown God here. So make sure that everybody got their appropriate due. They wanted to attend to the things they thought were important. And Paul comes and begins at that point with them and says, let me tell you about a God that maybe you haven't heard about. Let me explain some things to you. So he says in verse 24, look at this. He says, the God who made this world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he doesn't live in temples. Now, all around Athens, there were temples to gods. This God doesn't live in temples built by human hands. Well, that's a, a little different, a little bit different than the normal paradigm they had been thinking about. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. In other words, this God exists without you. You don't have to prop him up. You don't have to make him real. He's just there. You can't do anything to change the reality about him. Rather, he himself gives life and breath and everything else. For from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history as the boundary of their land. So he said, this God is the beginning. He goes all the way back. God did this so that the world would seek him and perhaps reach out from him or for him and find him, though he's not really far from any of us. What Paul was saying was like, you're searching, you're very religious. I'm going to explain this God to you, but he's not so far away. We're not like on a different planet here, but I want to take your eyes and turn it in a slightly different direction. And then verse 28, he quotes a famous philosopher of their day. And he says, for in him, we live and move and have our being. This was an idea that uh, kind of went around. And you may have heard about a guy named Plato. And he had this philosophy that said, if there's a chair, that chair represents not another chair, but it kind of represents the uber chair or the super chair or the proto chair. It's the beginning of all chairs and all chairs. If they're a chair at all, kind of have the beginning in that original chair that exists in a shadow land. I know I may have lost you there for a second. Paul's a to Plato and he's saying now look you have all these gods I want to take you back to the original I want to take you all the way back to the beginning and explain something to you that maybe you've never heard before in him we move and we have our being it's the original it's the source of everything and some of your own poets have said we're his offspring so there's a little Plato right there in the middle of your bible all right and then verse 29 he says therefore since we are God's offspring we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone the things that we would make 
an image of him at, an image made by human design or skill. Verse 30, in the past, he says, God overlooked our ignorance, our kind of leaning in but missing the mark. But now he commands people everywhere to repent, to follow him, to turn from the way they're going and turn towards him. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He's talking about Jesus. And he's given proof to this, uh, of, of this to everyone by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. And Paul begins there and for the next several verses begins talking to them about Jesus. And the Bible says that there in Athens on Mars Hill, the apostle Paul converted a lot of people from a general religious ideology to the person of Jesus who has died and resurrected. And Paul begins a church there in Athens that thrives and lives on. Now, this is an idea that Paul wrestled with all the way through all of his writings, that there's a God all at work in the culture around us. And if we'll open our eyes and open our hearts, we can see him. You can see him in a church like this right here. I mean, if you're searching for God today at all, if you're a believer and you're trying to reconnect, if you're an unbeliever, you're not, you're not sure yet and you're trying to figure it all out, you can come to a place like this and search and figure it out. It, this can be a major help in your moving forward on your own spiritual journey. But not just in a church setting. You can go in a, and read in a book certain things that strike your heart, that open you up to receive. You can talk to a trusted friend, sometimes in music, and even in movies. All around us, God is speaking. And it works on this idea that if God really is the beginning of everything like Paul said, then his fingerprints are everywhere. You would expect that all the great stories of the world would echo around major themes. Think about some of the movies you've seen recently. Think about them. Think, for instance, about Shawshank Redemption. Have you, how many of you in the room have seen Shawshank Redemption? Now, listen, it's rated R, so it's not an endorsement, but it happens to be one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, so no endorsement there at all. But, but it's this, this beautiful story about a guy who gets treated very unjustly. And he comes to terms with himself and his reality. And yet he never fully capitulates to the world around him. He creates an identity around himself. And he longs for a better reality. It's a great story. Some language in it. So parents don't let your kids watch it. But in that story, I'm telling you, when I watch it, I'm moved to tears. When he breaks out of prison and he stands there in the middle of the water, like a baptism almost. And he raises up his hands and to say, I'm free, I'm free. You know how many baptism scenes there are in movies? And they don't call them baptism scenes. But scenes where somebody passes through the water at some major turning point in their life. Where does that repetitive theme in movies come from? It comes from an overarching story that has its roots in the Bible and in the story of God. Where God says, I will transform your life from here to there. I will pass you through the flood of change. And you'll come out the other side. Tried, a little wet but different and changed. It's an overarching meta story that even if you don't know anything about Jesus at all, you resonate with that moment when Tim Robbins reaches up his hands and the rain is coming on him and it's a different movement in the story. The injustices have been washed away and he's moving forward into a new life. Paul wrestled with this idea. In fact, after Acts chapter 17, you come to Romans chapter one. I don't have it for you on the screen, but he says, listen, in Romans chapter one, as he begins to write to the Romans in the city of Rome, like he had talked to the people in Athens, he says, I want you to remember this in Romans chapter one, right at the beginning, he says, I want you to take a long and thoughtful look at the world around you and see if you can't deduce evidence of God. He said, evidence of God is all through creation. The thumbprint of God crops up everywhere in life. And then here's what he said. He said, but the problem with you Romans is you weren't looking for it. 
So you experienced it. You saw it in the hillside. You saw it on the sunset. You saw it written in the rivers. And you saw the greatness. But that greatness you saw never made you think about a great creator. All you did was took his creation and made it useful for yourself. You never thought beyond that. I want you to take a long and thoughtful look at the world around you. And see if God isn't evident everywhere. See if you don't see him on a mother's smile. See if you don't see it the next time somebody forgives someone else against all hope. The next time, how many times have you seen a movie where there was an underdog story? Like some guy who had no chance at all comes up against a major giant and and wins. I mean, have you ever seen a Rocky movie? You know, like Rocky 48, isn't that the number we're on right now? Like every Rocky, you know what that is? That's a simple retelling of a story that shows up in your Bible. It's a biblical theme. It shows up in the story of David and Goliath. Unbeatable odds. And yet here's a guy through faithfulness, persevering. Rocky, David, it shows up everywhere. Here's what I'm telling you, followers of Jesus, that all around you, the people you interact with, that you think have no room in their heart for the things of God, they are regularly being exposed to spiritual things. They're thinking about them. They're processing them. They're having their hearts moved by them. And God has called us. This is a challenge this church has embraced completely. God has called us to help them see from where they are, their hearts stirred, moved, maybe a tear or a laughter, to move them simply from that place to help them see what's really going on, the underlying story, the story of God at work in this world. You ever watched the movie where There was a group of people and they had some major task in front of them. But every time they wanted to move forward in that task, they came up against a a significant obstacle over and over and over again. And finally, by the end of the movie, the crescendo is they overcome the thing. I mean, every superhero movie is like this. X-Men beginnings just came out and a group of guys and girls who discover they have extraordinary power beyond what they normally thought they would have, like supernatural kinds of things. And they band together to do something more than any one of them to overcome significant evil and injustice in this world. That's the story of X-Men, right? You realize that's the story of the church? God has called us, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to engage this world in a way that leaves it different than it was when we began our engagement. Now, the story of God is all around you. And I want to ask you this summer, are this summer, are you simply going to survive the summer? enjoy the summer or could this summer be a summer of spiritual growth for you see i think what god would like to do for us while we're taking our breaks and relaxing and adjusting our routines and whatever it is you do for the summer and i applaud all that all that's valid i think one thing god would like for us to do in the middle of that is to grow spiritually i want you to grow spiritually this summer i want you to see the hand of god all around you i want you to see it in your family I want you to see his story working at work in your work environment. I want you to see him, of course, in church. I want you to see him even when you go to the movies. So today we're going to look at an older movie in just a moment. That'll take you back a few years. But beginning next Sunday, we will look at the summer blockbusters, at the major themes that are introduced in these stories. Stories that will resonate with people that come to watch, that will pay 10, 11 bucks to see a movie. People that will be having spiritual conversation with themselves and their friends. And we're going to be doing what God would like for us to do. Asking him, God, what would you like to speak to us through this? God, can we see you here? 
Let me, let me ask you, follower of Jesus, when was the last time you really saw God? Now, I'm not talking about visibly. Sometimes that gets a little weird and strange. I always get concerned with the pastor or the Christian who's always seeing and hearing from God. And the Lord spoke to me and God said, Ben, here's what you should do. That's, that's kind of wigs me out a little bit. I ain't going to lie. But the Bible does affirm that God is speaking everywhere. And if we'll open our hearts and listen, we can hear him. So let me ask you this. How can you experience God better this summer? Here's one thing I want to give you as a, as a suggestion. I'd like for you to think about doing this. Why don't you think about asking God this question? God, would you reveal yourself to me each day? I mean, each day of this summer, if you're a student before you begin back to school, if you're a parent while well, you got your kids with you, all right? If you're like a single person, whatever routine you're in, ask God this simple question. God, this summer, over the next few months, would you reveal yourself to me each day? Ephesians chapter four, one of the letters that Paul wrote, and he's still unpacking this idea that God is everywhere. He says this to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter four, verse 18. He says that there are people whose minds are so full of darkness. They're so focused on other things that even though God speaks, they don't see him. They don't hear him. They don't respond to him. And he says, basically, don't be closed minded. Don't be closed minded to the things of God. Don't be closed minded. So I'm asking you today, Four Corners, to do this. I'm asking you to say, God, I'm open to you. I want to see you. I want this summer to be a summer of growth for me. God, I'm open to you. In fact, would you just please, the pastor here for just a second, would you just right now lift your voice for a second and say, God, I'm open to you on the count of three. Would you do that with me? Ready? One, two, three. God, I'm open to you. See, now that's a prayer that God loves to answer. In fact, he says in the Bible that if you'll move close to him, he'll move close to you. That anytime you'll draw close to him, he won't leave you there alone. He'll always inch close to you as well. So when you every day say, God, I want to know you. I want to see your hand. I want you to reveal yourself to me. That's a prayer he wants to answer. And the Bible says he will. You have this thing in your brain. It's called a reticular activator. You may not have ever heard of this, but I guarantee you've had it happen to you. My brother has an iPad and he thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. And, and, and he's right. It is cool, but it's my brother's. So I'm not going to tell him that. And, and he's like, you got to get one of these. You got, you got to preach from one of these. You won't have to stand there and hold on. You got to, you got to preach from one of these iPads. And I, I, when, when he, when they first came out, I'm a gadgets guy. I, I kind of wanted one. I ain't going to lie. Then he got one. I thought, well, I can't get one now. And, Cause you know, you can't be second. Um, but he's like, you got to get one of these. You got, and I thought, well, you know, not a whole lot of people have, but when he started like showing me all the stuff he could do everywhere I went, I started seeing iPads. I hadn't really seen that many. I thought, well, they're cool. They're out there. Everywhere I go now, I was on the beach, people had iPads. I was in a restaurant, I was on vacation, iPads. iPads are everywhere. Here, here's what happened. They were there all along. I just didn't see them until my mind had been activated to think about them. And then I started seeing them everywhere. I bought my very first car when Jill and I got married. We bought a, a 1991 Saturn for $10,200. It was a lot of money then. I guess it's still a lot of money now, but we, we thought, man, this, nobody has a Saturn, we thought. We get in our little red Saturn, we drive out the door. I'd never seen them before, but there were Saturns everywhere. Everywhere I looked, there was, now what happened? Were they there all along? Of course they were. But my mind had been activated to the thing. My reticular activator had been focused on the, and then I began to see it everywhere. You know, God put that tendency in your brain to work that way so that you can set your sights on him and begin to ask him to reveal himself to you. Get up in the morning with that prayer. God, show yourself to me. I want to see you everywhere I can. 
And what will happen is, is your mind will activate in that direction and you'll begin over time to see him. The Apostle Paul again wrote about this to the Romans in Romans chapter 12. He said, look, I'd like for your mind to be renewed. I'd like for your life to be changed and let that happen as God renews your mind. Let him transform you as he changes the way you think. I'm asking you, Four Corners, to not let this just be another summer, but let it be a summer of growth where you see God everywhere. I want to show you a clip in this uh, movie from a long time ago, from the movie Superman. I referred to it earlier. Take a look at this real quick. Guys, go ahead and share that. So back from like 1979, you see Kal-El, Superman, getting ready to be sent to Earth to do his mission. All the way through that movie, there are points at which you could parallel his story to the story of Jesus. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do, Four Corners. I'm asking you to say, God, I want to see you. But the second thing I want you to do this summer, and let it be a summer of growth for you personally, but become an agent of growth for other folks. Take them to the movies. Bring a friend here. Get your free movie pass. And then come to a movie with them and then have a conversation. I'm not saying look at them and say, I want to talk to you about the spiritual themes that work in this movie. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if something comes up, if there's a major focus on a cross, start, start watching how many images of a cross you see in a movie. If there are major movements uh, through the water, it's almost always baptism. If there are doves and clouds and skies... And at some point, maybe have a conversation with them and says, hey, when you saw that scene, what did you think? Use this as a summer of growth for you, but become an agent of helping other people see God in the world around them. This is being the church. This is Paul on Mars Hill saying, oh, you don't even understand what you're, what you're doing here. And I want to make you aware. It wasn't that Paul was arrogant and said, I have all the answers. He went to people who were already searching and helped them to see what they were already looking for. Our culture is asking big questions. The people you work with, go to school with your friends, they have sincere, honest searching going on. They want to know what their life's purpose is. They want to know if they have the skills to do what they feel like they'd like to do. They want to know what, if real community exists. They want to know if there's a power outside of themselves that will help them if they need it. All those questions are answered in your Bible. They're all answered in a relationship with God. They're questions that get posed to us regularly through the movies. And we as a church can be used by God to help them discover the path that they're looking for. Oh, it's not our call on their lives. God has already begun working on them. And he'll use things like movies. So why do we pass out movie tickets as a bribe? Of course. And if anybody has a problem with that, you can come sit down with me and I'll explain to you our entire philosophy of why it is we believe we should engage this world right where they're asking questions. And that's why we want you to get a free movie pass, not to just amuse yourself away. Amuse. You ever think about that word? Amuse. Ah, amuse. Ah, negates musing, which is the Latin for thinking. Amusement negates thinking. (laughs) I'm asking you not to let that happen. I'm asking you to think through the movies you see. Talk with your kids about them, Dad. Talk with your kids. Have those moments where you press in. Talk with your friends about the movies they see. When you see adultery portrayed on the screen, and you'll see it a lot, talk to your friends about that and about the destruction that you've seen around you when people go down that road. Engage God in the movies this summer. We're going to help you with major blockbusters. Why don't you take out your Connect card and let's take a few steps together as a congregation. Listen, if you want to grow this summer as opposed to just hang out, there are a few things you and I can do. Here's some suggestions I have for you. The first one I have for you right there is, next step A is, I'm going to look for more of God's activity so I can grow this summer. Maybe you simply pray the prayer, God, I want to see you. 
Reveal yourself to me. Set your reticular activator in motion so that you can begin to see evidence of God all around you. It'll change your walk with him as you begin to see him more. Here's the next thing you can do. Maybe you want to join a learning small group. All of our small groups are valid, and we applaud fellowship. We don't think most churches give enough attention to fellowship. It's in fellowship where we're encouraged to grow. So if you want to join a, a connecting group or a fellowship group, go ahead and do that. But some of you need to step up and join a learning group and actively engage your brain in reading a book or reading God's Word together. They're right there in your, in your small group handout. You can read that and you just write the number on the small group line and sign up for that. And let me ask some of you next step C. This might seem like a step, but I want to bring a Bible and a notebook to church this summer. We're going to be sharing with you practical truths. And I'd like for some of you to capture that and to take up on the mission of you growing and helping others grow. So bring your Bible, bring a notebook. I've got, a, you know, my, mine here. I keep with me pretty regularly so I can write my notes in. And take a few notes as God speaks to you here about engaging the world out there. And here's the next step D coming up is I want to read a Christian book this summer. I always step up my reading through the summer. I'm reading a powerful book right now about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This guy was a hero, was involved in trying to assassinate Hitler, uh, an amazing pastor, theologian, an assassin. It's a powerful, powerful, true story. Those things don't go together, right? Which one of these things is not like the other? But I'm reading a powerful book, and it's really, I mean, it's like, bringing things alive in me. Read a Christian book. And if you check that, I'll send you some of my favorites uh, via email. Not the books, but the titles. You can go on Amazon and and order your own. All right, let's pray uh, together right now. Lord Jesus, God, I want to thank you that you are all around us. God, your thumbprint is in all of creation. It's in the conversations we have with our friends. It's in the movies we see and the music we listen to. God, you're everywhere. And we want to see you, Lord. We want to be a church that is focused on you. We want to be people who see you in our daily lives. And God, we want you to give us the privilege of being used to help other people see you. God, we want to grow this summer. We want to grow personally. And we want to grow in our ability to be used by our Heavenly Father to help other people that are traveling along. God, I pray right now that you would put people on our minds that we can invite to come to church to get that movie ticket and that we can have a conversation with. God, I pray that over this summer we would grow. We'd grow individually in our relationship with you and we'd grow in our ministry mindset for what you've called us to do in this world. We pray it in the powerful and holy name of Jesus. Amen.